Hey, we're starting a brand new series today. Uh, we're calling it RX, the little prescription thing, and uh, a prescription for a better or a brand new you. And, uh, and we're going to do three parts of this. And I believe uh, each and every one of us started the year with these, you know, New Year's resolutions, things that you want to do different, things are going to change. And uh, as we jump into this, actually, what we're going to be doing is allowing God to show us through his word and give us power to become the new us. The things that you and I are dreaming of, that we would become, that we would do for God, that we would be, God's going to give us strength over the next three weeks in these teachings to actually accomplish it. The thing about a New Year's resolution is that we try to do those things a lot of times in our own strength. There are these little ideas that we have, and then we get frustrated three months into it when we're nowhere close to it. Well, in this situation, a prescription for a better or a new you, what's going to happen is God's going to empower us. Come on, somebody. So we have, so I thought to start us off, we had to talk about Boudreaux for just a second. So Boudreaux. Boudreaux, uh, for his 2019 New Year's resolution, he decided he was going to go and start working out in the gym and get himself in shape. And so on his way home from his new gym, uh, he, he texted Clotilde, his wife, and he said this, uh, just been to the gym and there's some newfangled machine. Only used it for an hour before I felt sick. It's good though, because it does everything. Kit Kat, Snickers, Skittles, I'll be home soon. Come on, now that's the machine I want to work out with right there. <laughs> What you say? <laughs> if you open your Bibles with me to First Thessalonians chapter five, and we'll just kind of set the pace. This is our key scripture for the next three weeks in reference to our series. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse twenty-three says it like this: "Say, May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming." of our Lord Jesus. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, he's, he's literally crying out for them. He says, may the God of peace, God himself, sanctify you. The word sanctify here in, in, in this use is talking about may God himself renew you. May God himself make you like him. May God himself sanctify. May he actually beautify you. Frank, can I tell you something? We are a three-point, we are a three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. And what Paul is crying out for, for the Corinthians, and I believe for us as well, is that may God himself help us to become the man or woman of God we're supposed to be in spirit, in soul, and in body. Friend, it's one thing to get you a little workout partner. It's another thing to get you a little bit of therapist. But if Jesus Christ himself becomes the one who is helping you to become the man or woman of God you're supposed to be, friend, you will, you will hit the mark. You will make it to that spot that you want to be. And so as, that's, as that kind of is our theme for this entire series is that may God help us. May God himself get involved in our New Year's resolution. May God himself sanctify us in spirit, soul, and body. Today we're going to talk about spirit. We're going to talk about God's helping us and how God and the final week can renew our spirit to become strong in the spirit. Next week we'll deal with the soul area and the final week we'll deal with the body area. And those are the three areas we're going to deal with. So as that's being said, let's jump straight in to the key scripture for the spirit part that we're going to study today. Our key scripture for that is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. It says, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contains body and spirit. Father, I pray that over the next couple moments that every man and woman in this room would have download revelations from you. 
That, Lord God, that as we begin to say, how do we grow in our spirit? How do we get better in our spirit man, our internal man? Lord, that you would give us revelations, insights. Lord God, it will not hurt my feelings one bit, Jesus. Is that while I'm teaching, that people begin to not able to hear my voice because they begin to get downloads from heaven. Lord, it won't hurt my feelings one bit. You begin to show them things, speak things. Lord, go speak against the things that were told them as children. Fix the things, oh God, that, that, that have become lies and misappropriations. And Lord, today... May every man and woman walking out of this place today be strong in the spirit, be strong in their inner man. And Lord God, may you begin to revamp that area in our life. May you strengthen us all our days in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. I want to study the book of Matthew chapter 8 for just a moment. Uh, When we look at the life of Jesus, the Bible doesn't record any miraculous things that he did until after an experience, after an encounter, a moment. Jesus was on the planet for 30 years, and we don't see any supernatural movement. Nothing's documented in in the Holy Scriptures. There's this moment where he goes to John the Baptist to be baptized. John the Baptist says, no, 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 you can't baptize me. I I can't baptize you. You're you're the Messiah. You should be baptizing me. In fact, John the Baptist said it like this. He says, I baptize you with water under repentance, but that guy right there, He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Or as my Spanish friends say it, with fuego del Espíritu Santo. He's going to baptize you in that. He's going to change you forever. So when Jesus says, I need you to baptize me, he's like, oh, I'm really struggling with it. But nevertheless, not what I want, what you want. He says, okay. So he takes him down into the river. And as he baptizes God, as John the baptizes, baptizes God, Jesus. As he comes out of the water, the heavens rip open. And a voice comes out and says, this is my son. Who's saying it? The father. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit came and fell upon Jesus. And from that point forward, we see miracles, supernatural movement. Each and every one of us need the power of the Holy Spirit active inside of us, causing us to be like Jesus was. That's what we need. And today, we're going to learn how to grow, mature our spirit man. How to give free reign to the Holy Spirit inside of us to grow us and to mature us. And we see this moment that I think is real critical in the book of Matthew, chapter 8. Jesus has already been filled with the Spirit, if you will. And Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. So let's pick up verse 23. It says, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? He's God man, stupid. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now the problem with reading scripture and sometimes we don't visualize what's actually happening. So let me help you a little bit. I've actually been uh, to Israel and seen some of the boats that they have uncovered from that era. We're talking about a wooden boat. We're talking about probably at the most 17 foot long, 15 foot, with 13 men crammed into it. There's no outboard motor. There's no, hey, let's go that way. And you go that way. No, no, no. There's a sail, a little bitty bed sheet looking thing. And the wind, and you got to work with the wind to try to get somewhere. You kind of get over to that direction. There's a paddle many times, sometimes oars in, in, in these boats. Thirteen men are crammed down into this boat, and they go out there. Now, a group of these men have been, been professional fishermen. In fact, they have fished this gigantic lake 
as it's called, or, or a small sea, as it's also referred to. And so this is a large body of water. And it's noted for that area of the country that th- there will be squalls that will just come. All of a sudden, just weather will just shift all of a sudden. Now, these professional fishermen would never go out on the water knowing that a storm was coming. Because out in the middle of a lake in a storm, people die. They drown. They get out there, 13 of them. As they're out there, all of a sudden, something shifts. And the Bible calls it a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. So you need to picture this. These professional fishermen have this moment. They're working with the sail. All of a sudden, the winds start coming. I don't know about you, but I grew up, I grew up in an environment where we did a good bit of fishing. And I fished out in the Gulf. I fished on lakes. I, I fished in many places. And I'll tell you, the only horror I have ever experienced is to be out in a little boat when all of a sudden a storm came up. It is a scary moment in anyone's life. It, to this day, I will not go on a cruise because of it. I won't go on a cruise. Because there ain't no way they can tell me six months earlier when I give them all my money whether or not we're going to have a storm time. And you get out on that cruise and that boat starts doing that. And all of a sudden, somehow my face goes green, and all that wonderful lobster ends up all over the place instead of inside of me. And so I don't want to go on a cruise. They don't have that on land. You don't get shook up like that, you know? And so I'm sitting there wondering what they're experiencing. Well, they are professional fishermen. All of a sudden, the Bible says that a storm comes up. And not just to the point where the waves are making you want to throw up, but to where the water starts coming into the boat. And if you've ever been in a boat that was taken on water, friend, you better get to the bank as fast as you can. It starts taking on the water. Obviously, they're out in the middle of the lake. They begin to lose their mind. Meanwhile, Jesus is... He's not in cabin B. There is no cabin B. He's right there. He's right there. Waves, winds. I mean, it's happening. Can you imagine Peter, type A personality, is looking over at him like, are you crazy? And finally, somebody runs over to him and says, wake up. We're going to die. It's got exclamation marks because they are shouting. I'm only doing what they did. Wake up. You lost your mind. We got to die. I can imagine Jesus like, what? Huh? What's the problem? We're going to die. Judas is over there. We're going to die. We're going to die. Thomas is like, we can't do it. John is like, I love you, Father. It's going to be okay. And it's happening all in this moment. And Jesus looks at him, and what does he say? You of little faith. Peter probably responds, you of immature practicalities. We're going to die. No one survives this moment, and you're not even crying out to God to fix this. Jesus looks up. He says, peace, be still. Cricket, cricket. Can you, they're all like, who is this guy? He's God. He's been trying to tell you, stupid. Don't you get it? Here's the thing I want you to catch. Jesus was not affected by the storm on the outside. Because he had peace on the inside. His peace on the inside was able to speak to the storm on the outside. To tell it, stop! You will not. 
You will not harm my family. You will not harm me. You will not sink this boat. Why? Because he had great power on the inside. See, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christ was greater than the storm of the world. The thing on the inside was greater. And friend, can I tell you something right now? If you don't get your spirit man strong on the inside, everything on the outside will eventually crush you. If you don't have something happening deep on the inside of you, if you don't have the spirit of the Lord leading you and guiding you and comforting you and giving you power to overcome the storm, friend, I'm telling you, those storms will come. They will happen. My friend and hero, Mr. Dennis Lindsay, who's the president of Christ for the Nations, he's an amazing man, and, and, and uh, he tells his story frequently, but I, I, had it, I had him tell it to me personally one time uh, there with, with his wife, Ginger, and I was just like, I want to hear that story again. And he had a moment where his 18-year-old daughter, I think she was a senior in high school, Missy Lindsay, she was there in Oak Cliff where the property is and was crossing from one section of the property to the other, across Keith Boulevard. Some of you know that, that boulevard. She's crossing Keith Boulevard, and a man ran the stop sign, either in a drunken stupor, not paying attention, 50 miles an hour, hit her, threw her 100 feet, landed on her head, dead, dead. Dennis and Ginger, meanwhile, are overseas preaching somewhere. Their little girl is dead. Students gather around her, pray, pray, crying back for life, call the ambulance, call 911. They finally come, they get her, they get her in the ambulance. Dennis and Ginger receive the phone call. Your daughter's been hit by a car. They've been praying over for the last year. Landed on her head. There's no pulse. They've been praying over for the last 10 minutes. She's dead. As a parent, they did the natural pieces. The call, let's get an air. How do we get a flight out of here? How do we get home? Dear Jesus, trying to call people. Dennis said, wait, wait, baby. Hung up the phone. Got down on their knees. They prayed together. And then Dennis went and got in bed. And Ginger's like, what are you doing? He's like, it's either in God's hands or it's not. Either God has this or he doesn't. But I'm going to tell you right now, I got peace. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that man went to sleep. I'm going to tell you right now, I need to grow in my inner man. I'm going to tell you right now. When he tells a story, I'm like... You did what? Like, I would have been climbing the walls. You know what I mean? I would have been at the airport trying to steal an airplane. I don't care if it's midnight. I don't care if it's 2 in the morning. I would have found a way. I would, I would be in jail. I'd still be in jail because I'd have robbed somebody for their personal airplane. I mean, I would have found a way to get to my baby girl, and I would have justified it. Ooh, can I tell you something? While they had that girl in the ambulance, those prayers worked. She came back to life. She's serving Jesus today. She's one of the great leaders at that institution. God did a miracle. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This is the truth that you and I have to learn. You and I have to understand that some of the stress and the pain and the difficulty that you're going to, going from, is simply because we live in a world full of stress. And see, if you're filled with the Spirit, then all that pressure doesn't do anything. But friend, when you're not filled with anything, what happens is it just squeezes you right on to a place of destruction. You crumble easily because there's nothing in there to sustain you. That's why I have people in this church, lost babies, went through tragedy, and they're still standing for Jesus. They still love God. They, 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 I, and I meet other people like, that's not even hard. Why are you walking away from Jesus? Why are you like, why? Because there's nothing inside of them to sustain them. There's nothing there. Jesus was able to speak to the storm and tell the storm what to do because greater is he that is in him than what was happening outside of him. 
What do you have sustaining you? Is the Spirit of the Lord guiding you and leading you? Look what look at Harvard University did a study in 2017 on college students. Look what they found. 40% of college students in the United States said they felt so depressed it was difficult for them to function. 40% of our college students. How about this one? 61% of them felt overwhelming anxiety. You in college. You ain't got a house, no. You ain't got no kids. What are you stressed about? Smoking weed every night. You ain't got no problems. What are you stressed about? I'll tell you what they're stressed about. There's nothing on the inside of them to sustain them. There's, not, there's nothing. We keep saying, well, if we just do this and they just do, no, 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 it comes down to this. They don't have any spirit of the Lord. Listen, not the college students in this church. Oh, you ought to see them. They go through trial. They keep standing for Jesus. It'd be all right. God's got it under control. They're not worried about where the money's going to come from. They just keep walking it out. God keeps sustaining. Why? Because they're filled with the spirit. They have the power of the Holy Spirit living, abiding, guiding, strengthening them, and keeping them from being depressurized as the world pushes against them. Can I tell you something? For 2019, 2020, 2021, 2023, 2023, you don't think this thing's going to get any easier, do you? You don't think we're going to have an even easier time? We just switch presidents. We just switch this. I just get this. I could just get this. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. You better have a strength on the inside that's not even of yourself, but it's of the spirit of the living God. What we have to do is we have to mature. We have to mature in our spirit man. We have to mature in our spirit man. I want to teach you today how to mature in you. you got to get built up in the spirit so that when all that pressure, when all that squeezing starts happening, you can stand and keep standing. You might get a good health club membership, and you might work out your little body a little bit, but friend, if the inside isn't strong enough, it will not hold in the times of pressure that we're about to go into and have already experienced. So with that being said, let me teach you how to mature your spirit man. Can I teach you with that? Can I I help you a little bit? Teach you how to mature your spirit man, how to grow your spirit man, if you will. Number one, first and foremost, I'm going to help you big time, and that is you need to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do a little doctrinal teaching for you a little bit. We all come from different backgrounds, Baptist, Catholic, charismatic, wherever you may come from, but I want to help you a little bit doctrinally out of the Holy Scriptures. Not out of my opinion, but out of the Holy Scriptures. There's a clear, clear teaching throughout the Holy Scriptures that when God transformed our lives, he did not expect us to go it alone. So let me help you. Jesus came to earth in the form of a man. He died on a cross for forgiveness of our sins. He was the pattern. But God knew good and well that we couldn't live up to that pattern in and of our own selves. Think about it, guys. If we could have lived by the, by the pattern, all we would have needed to do was follow the Ten Commandments and the law. It proven for thousands of years that the children of Israel couldn't do it. And so what he did, he said, I'm going to send you a promised gift. Jesus talks about it in the book of Acts, chapter 1. The promised gift. Wait. He has died. He's resurrected. And he tells his disciples, go and wait for the promised gift. The promised gift. And he co- it continues on, verse 7, verse 8. And he says it like this. He says, and ye shall receive power after which the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power after which the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So what we see happening is in in chapter 2, the book of Acts, the disciples, along with a bunch of other followers of Christ, about 120 of them, they're in this room, and they're just kind of singing, Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya. When all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon them in a different way. If you'll back up in the book of John, you see that Jesus has already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, 
after all that has transpired, the Holy Spirit comes upon them in a fullness way, in a baptismal way is what the scriptures call it. And all of a sudden it says, and it seems like tongues of fire rest upon their head. They all began to speak in other tongues. And they went out in such boldness. And they started just preaching. People were getting saved. Thousands are getting transformed. Healing started happening. Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon them in a fresh, full way. Well, let me help you doctrinally. When you become a Christian, Jesus does not come and live inside of you. His Holy Spirit does. It's the Spirit of Christ. So you can go back and forth and say, well, Jesus does, he doesn't. Jesus, the Bible says, is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. It's the Holy Spirit that comes inside. Before I was a Christian, <laughs> I'd steal from you. I, would li- I wouldn't feel bad. I'd sleep just good at night. Having lied to you, cheated on you, I'd sleep fine. Why? Because I was getting ahead, right? Didn't know how you were before you were a Christian. Then I became a Christian. Guess what happened? The Spirit of the Lord came inside of me. Then I felt bad. Like, dang, I lied. Oh, well. And I had this conviction, I had this feeling like, ugh. Before you were a Christian, you, now some of you grew up in the church from the very young age and you made a decision for Christ at a young age and the Spirit of the Lord came inside. So you felt that since you were a kid. You don't even remember not experiencing that. But what happened to me, as we see it doctrinally works, is that I then didn't have the power to stop that sin. And the church I was in didn't believe in a baptism or a fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so as a result, I would come to the sur- down to the altar, preacher would preach, the Spirit of the Lord would convict me of that same sin, and every week we'd come down, repent for the same sin, same sin, same sin. Ultimately, I just like, what, what, where's this going to lead to? And I basically gave up on God. In fact, I have people tell me that all the time. I said, man, I, I tried, to, tried Christianity, it just didn't work for me. And if you ask me, what do you mean it didn't work for me? Well, I tried, I just couldn't do it. What couldn't you do? I couldn't live a righteous life. Duh, neither can I. But what, they were, what they're trying to articulate is, I never had the power to overcome my own sin habits. I never had the power to even pray for someone sick and see them recover. I didn't even know if I could do that. Obviously, I'm just the person who just, it didn't work for, it worked for some people, but religion didn't work for me. And they'll get into all these misunderstandings simply because no one taught them that there is a fulfillment of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, not just coming within you, but then baptismoing you to a place of power, and ye shall receive power after which the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Once I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, a couple things happened. In that moment, not only did I sense and feel an overwhelming fullness of his presence in my life, I got a little prayer language. It was magnificent. It's awesome. And then all of a sudden, I found myself, whenever those temptations would come, I'm like, eh, and it would just fall down. Then I'd find myself, hey, I feel, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for this person. And I would pray for him, and it would, it would be awesome. I'd say, oh, because oh, that's what it was meant to be. What kind of God would give you a righteous standard and say, be like this, and not give you the ability to do that? People have misappropriated the Holy Spirit, and I apologize. We did a whole series on this. You can go back and look it up. Dancing with the Star. We did a couple of series on teaching you about the Holy Spirit in your life. And I am so sorry that people have misappropriated him. You do understand, crazy people will blame crazy things they do on somebody else so you don't think they're crazy. And I can't tell you how many people blame things on the Holy Spirit and said he told them that God did not tell you to bark at the moon in your backyard with your clothes off, stupid. That was not God. God did not tell you to go push that lady down on the ground and blame it on the Holy Spirit. That was not the Holy Spirit. That was you. That was you being stupid. And you didn't have a good passion to whoop your butt. That's your problem. You don't see stupid stuff here. But you feel, since the power, we, he- we have healings. We have empowerment. We have people overcoming sin habits. 
Why? Because we embrace the Holy Spirit for who he is and what he was supposed to do. And we're not ashamed of him. Whereas many have become ashamed of him. I'm not ashamed of him. I need him. You need him. If the pressure on the inside is greater than the pressure on the outside, you'll stand forever. But if the pressure on the inside is weak, weaker than the pressure on the outside, you'll crumble at anything. You and I need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh power surge. Each and every one of us need to experience that. And I want you just to know, we give you a couple options today after service. Some of our pastors and leaders will be available to pray with you if you want that. If not, small group this week, go to small group, they'll pray with you. And if not, even then, we do an encounter retreat, March 22nd. It's a Friday night and a Saturday. It's isolated where no one's around. That, that it, it's very focused is what I'm trying to say. So that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can break some sin habits. And we work with you. We have all our pastors here to minister to you. And it's a time that we set aside to engage the living God. If you want that, that'll happen March 22nd. Pull out the app, Church on the Hill, Texas. Go to that, go to that event, register for it. Here's the second big piece, how we can mature in the Spirit. And that is number two, you need to learn the leading of the Holy Spirit. You and I have to learn the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you want to mature in the Spirit, if you want to become strong on the inside, if you want to become so strong that nothing can crush you on the outside, you've got to learn the leading of the Holy Spirit. And for every person, it, there's some similarities how he leads us. But there's also some specialty pieces for each and every one. It's personal for each and every one of us. He leads us all very personally. For me, he nudges me. Sometimes I'm a, very, I'm a real visual person, so I'll, I, he'll give me a mental picture. And, 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 and it, 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 at times, it, it took me a while to learn his leading. Sometimes I thought it was him when it was just the pizza the night before. You know, I have a dream and say, it's God, it's God. And really, no, it was the tacos. You know, it really wasn't the Lord. And I had to learn it. And let me tell you a couple ways to know the difference. First off, it will, if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, it will always line up with the Bible. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, it wasn't God. It won't. Other thing I do all the time, especially if I think it's a little strange, is I submit it to those in spiritual authority in my life. And get them to give me a, give me a take on it. If they say, ooh, I don't think that's the Lord. I say, well, it ain't God then. And I walk away from it. I put it up on a shelf, as they say. And, uh, and each and every one of us can learn those nudgings and the kind of the pushings of the Spirit of the Lord. <laughs> this, this weekend I was in California preaching, and, uh, and I was in worship. And as I'm, I'm standing in worship, I'm worshiping Jesus, I get this middle picture. I see a woman with a thyroid. And uh, I don't even know what a thyroid looks like. I see the word thyroid written somewhere across her body in my middle picture. And God says, pray for a woman with, thi- with, with a problem with a thyroid. Tell her that, that I see her and that I'm going to fix it. I was like, is that you, God? No. I was like, okay, that's the Spirit of the Lord nudging me. Then, all of a sudden, I saw a journal. And I saw these writing in the journal. It stopped. And then the next pages were all empty. And I saw 20 years. 20-year mark. And so, I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And so, I, I'm standing there to go to preach. And I said, hey, before I preach, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, I was in worship. And the Lord told me, uh, there's a lady in here. Uh, I saw the word thyroid. God said he wants to heal your thyroid. Uh, he wants to fix it. And, uh, and uh, just to trust him in it. wasn't real ooey-ooey. Hallelujah, the Lord says unto you. It was none of that foolishness. I just said, I just feel like that's what God told me to tell you. Uh, and then, uh, I, I don't know, I saw another picture. I don't know if it's for the same person or somebody else. But I saw a journal. And uh, I saw you stop writing, you got offended, you got hurt, you stopped, uh, you stopped uh, committing to God and, uh, 20 years ago, and you stopped writing a journal, see all the empty pages. And so after I, I preached the message, it's powerful, and people get changed, and afterwards this lady walks up to me. <laughs> I'm like, you all right? <laughs> She's like, it was me, it was me. I was like, what part was you? <laughs> like, what are we talking about? 
And she goes, it's me. It's a thyroid. I'm a nurse. And I got these issues. And it's God. And I came here today and I said, God, do you even care that I exist? And then you said, you said that the, it's me. I'm did anybody else say it was them? I was like, no, it's me. It's me. And she goes, and not only that, guess what else? I said, what? She goes, I'm the one with the journal. So this happened a couple of 20 years ago. And I quit on God. And I drove over here today saying, God, I want to serve you. But I don't believe you're even there. And then you called it out. And the next morning she comes running. She said, I'm going to get my journal. That was Friday night. Next morning at the second, the morning session, she comes running. Look at her. She comes running up. I'm trying to worship. You know, she's like tapping me on the shoulder. She's crying and stuff like this. And, uh, and she says, look. And it's to the date, 20 years earlier, her last entry point. I'm not more spiritual than you. I promise. Especially in that moment because I had been driving in San Francisco traffic for two hours up until that point. And the reason why I'm brutally honest about that is because I want you to know that the leading of the Spirit, learning that, doesn't, ooh, I love these people. But I got these people in my life that, that their whole concept is if we go and we worship for two and three hours, then we can feel the leading of the Spirit. And I want you to know, he doesn't leave just because you had to go to work or because you had to clean a poopy diaper or just because your boss is a jerk. And he doesn't, he doesn't check out until he's like, well, when you get some worship time with me and you really read the word, then I can speak to you. That's not how he works. He's an ever-present help. He lives inside of us. He's empowered us. And you and I just got to learn. Do you hear that right now? Do you hear 102.5? you hear their music right now? Why don't you hear it? Because you're not tuned into it. They're broadcasting. You're just not tuned in. Holy Spirit's always broadcasting to you always. It's just learning to be tuned in. In fact, I would challenge you. I've learned to do this. In the middle of a moment of storm and stuff, I'll stop and go, wait a minute. Let's pray. We got to hear what God has to say about it. I need to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying about this. But listen, in the middle of a knockdown, drag out corporate meeting, you need to say, hey, can, can, I, can I just, whoa, let me just pray over this right now. And what will happen is, as you begin to pray, the leading of the Spirit will come in. Listen, you're having, a, you're, you're having an argument on the, on, at home tonight. Just, you know, baby, you remember what Pastor said? Let's just pray because I, I right now want to stab you, and I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. Last night, I was, I, was, I was having to get the leading of the Spirit because with two minutes in, my team lost their mind. Oh. Two minutes left, they had already lost their mind. And I was praying, oh, God. And I had to come back. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you doing? Let the leading of the Spirit. You still with me? Say yes. All right, let's go to number three. The third thing, how to grow your spirit, man, and that is you got to keep a weekly 2 Timothy 1, 2 checkup. I put 1 Timothy first time, so good. Thanks for correcting it, guys. you got to keep a weekly 2 Timothy 1, 7 checkup. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So weekly, I stop myself and I go, I say, okay, if the Spirit of God that's supposed to be inside of me, the Holy Spirit who lives and abides in me, is not a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. So I then say, okay, this week, have I walked in power? Have I walked in love? Have I walked in self-discipline? Okay, let's, let's tighten it up. You know, you, know you're, you got this little check engine light that comes on. Some of you, you just put a piece of tape over so you don't have to see it. But... Well, that check engine light is because your car is telling you, your car's computer saying, hey, there's some things you need to check on. <laughs> and so what has to, and so you have to have those, those checkup 
uh, uh, alarms. You got to have those pieces that say, hey, you need, and then you got to have, they take out the manual if they don't already know, and they compare what the problem it's showing on the screen and what the car is doing uh, based on how to correct it. Can I tell you the, the standard of how it's supposed to be? And you and I are supposed to walk in power, love, and a sound mind. You're losing your mind. You don't have self-discipline. You keep going back looking at the porn. Something's broken over here. You need to come back and say, Spirit of the living God, have free reign in my life. I've not allowed you to lead me. I've, I, I've actually controlled you, and you've tried to get me away from that, and I keep going back to that, and I want to line myself back up with 2 Timothy 1.7. You did not give me a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. You'll find me in my prayer closet going, I will not be. I will not be full of timidity. I will not be full of, of, of unforgiveness. I will not live in, un, uh, in an undisciplined life in Jesus' name. And I call forth the balance to come back into play on who he is and who he's supposed to be in me. It's a checkup that I do weekly. You need to weekly stop and say, have I been timid? Have I been fearful? Have I been undisciplined in the things of the Lord? Have I allowed myself to be sloppy and have I allowed myself to be messy? Here's the fourth growth point and how I teach you how to continue growing your spirit, man. And that is you need to stop consuming that which grieves the Holy Spirit. Look what this passage of Scripture says in Ephesians 4.30 all the way to verse 32. You stop consuming that which grieves the Holy Spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid. He starts talking about the things that grieve him. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage and anger, brawling and slander. Stop talking about about everybody. Along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Do you know what all of these pieces are? You know, each and every one of these pieces, these are all selfish ambition pieces. They're all us. It's selfish ambition. Talking bad about people. Being ang- I have a right to be angry at them. You know what they did and you know what they did. And, you know, and that's grieving the Holy Spirit grieving. It's literally quenching him. It's literally cutting him off from being able to be the power source inside of you that you and I need. You grieve him. You literally cut him off when you walk in unforgiveness, when you and I have malice in our heart towards him, when we slander people, when we allow that and we consume that, we sit around talking. Listen, you got to learn to walk away. They get to blah, 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 blah at the office. Ooh, God bless y'all. You got to learn to walk away from that. And you guys say, look, I just can't, I can't consume that right now because if I, if I take in any more of that, I'm, t- I'm going to end up just losing my mind. I got to walk away from that. You got, ooh, I'm just going to turn that off right there on social media. Ooh, I can't, ooh, I can't watch that. I can't, I, listen, I can't even listen to Fox News right now. I can't, ooh, CNN, oh, dear Jesus. I can't even watch it right now. Why? Because I, I can't, I, I just cannot find the peace of God in that whole process. I don't know. I don't know who's fake TV and who ain't fake news. I mean, my Lord, I'm back and forth. I just, so the only one I know is real is Jesus Christ. The only person I know who will sustain me in times of hardship is the Holy Spirit who lives and abides in each and every one of us as believers. And you and I need to stop consuming the junk. We're on a 21 day fast. We're on a 21 day fast. And the other day I found myself shaking. And the reason why is because I like chocolate. I really like it. I like it, man. I just like it. Some of y'all smoke dope. I eat chocolate. I just need it. I just need it. I need it so bad. And we're fasting, you know. And my body started craving chocolate. I mean craving it. I found myself with my computer bag. And it's got like seven zipper pocket things. I'm ripping everything out of it, hoping 
that some piece of chocolate broke off of something and is laying in the bottom of my computer bag. I, I can just get a little bit on my tongue. And the reason that is because I've consumed so much of it that my body's addicted to it. See, you keep consuming all this stuff, and you don't even realize you're addicted to it. And so you say, hey, come out of that malice. Come out of that, that, that unforgiveness. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you don't realize that's what I am. It's what's become a part of what I crave. And that's why we fast, because we want to identify the cravings of the sinful nature and give the Holy Spirit power. I want to close with these thoughts. I've given you a prescription I've given you, as a good pastor, directives on how you can grow your spirit, man. I think each and every one of us want to be like Jesus and stand up in the middle of the storm and say, stop. I think each and every one of us, as we came to Christ, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And for some of us, there's now a fullness that we haven't received yet that we need to walk therein. But I want to give you four or five questions to take home this week. That would be a challenge to you as to whether or not you really want to mature in your inner spirit, in, in your spirit man. You can take a picture of these. You can write them down. Number one, here's some questions to ask yourself, take-home questions. What excuses am I using to keep the fullness of the Holy Spirit out of my life? Because you had a professor that said it wasn't real? Because praying in other tongues confuses you and you don't believe in it? Because you went to a church that preached against it. Because you had an aunt who was a crazy loon. What excuses are you using to keep the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life? I tell you right now, you, you're not going to overcome sin without the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you right now. He didn't intend you to either. Here's the second question to pose to yourself this week. What half-truth have I accepted about myself? Half-truth. Some of you have accepted that you know, you're the dad who don't pray. You're the dad who just goes to church because your wife makes you. That you're not a really spiritual person, per se. You're not really religious. What half-truths have you accepted? That your past, because you were divorced, keeps you from being able to be a, a full Christian now? What half-truths have you accepted? You need to identify those because I want you to mature in your spirit. I want you to be bold and courageous as you were intended to be. For he didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. What half-truths have you been? I can never do it. I just can't do it. I tried before and it failed. Blah, blah, blah. If only I had this, if I only had that. What half-truths have you accepted? Here's the third question to take home and, and ponder. And that is, what area of control have I withheld from the Holy Spirit? What area of control have I withheld from the Holy Spirit? For me, there was a large season in my life where I withheld the Holy Spirit control. I wouldn't let him encourage me to pray for people to get healed. I'd seen so much fake stuff in one of the churches that I was a part of. The pastor that I loved and believed in, come to find out he was having an adulterous affair with different people, women that my family was winning to Jesus to bring into the church. Five or six women cheating on his wife. Talk about having counseling appointments with these women but having sex uh, in his office. And uh, he had moved in healing, and as a result, I thought it was all fake, and so I, I wouldn't pray for people to get healed, just simply because I, because I, I was just wasn't going to give that control over the Holy Spirit. And when I finally gave control over the, to the Holy Spirit to nudge me and to guide me in that, people started getting healed. It was crazy. It was cool. It was really neat. But then I, then I struggled with some of the doctrine of it all. What happened to the ones who didn't get healed? And so I just kind of gave up, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't let him 
wouldn't let him nudge me or, or guide me to pray for people. And then something shifted in me again. I started loving people. I started worrying about myself. I started caring more about people. And it's not, when the doctors can't fix it, Jesus can. And either I believe that or I don't. And I don't know why some people don't always get healed. I mean, there's a, there's a tons of doctrinal things we can go through. But at the end of the day, I, I, I don't really know. I just know that if you love somebody and you care about them, you'll pray for them and ask God to do a miracle in their life. And, uh, and I wasn't willing to do that in times past because of those things. Pray for some, I prayed for a person and they died. And I thought, well, it doesn't work. I guess I, so I kind of I, I started getting goofy about that. I withheld that from the Holy Spirit. And, and he's had to, he's had to, I've had to learn to relinquish that again and say, Lord, you can use me. I, I'll pray for them even if they don't get healed. I'll believe that they'll get healed even if it doesn't happen. It, it was a big journey point for me. Here's the other question I would ask, and that is, how can I empower, who can I empower to help me? Some of you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Who would you empower? Who would you trust to help you receive that? Who would you empower to point out to you, yeah, yeah, you, you really don't follow the Holy Spirit real well. Let me, sh- let me sh- point out some things. Let me help you. Who would you empower? Who would you give the right to help you with doing that? You need to consider that. And here's the last piece that I would ask you to ask for this week if you really want to grow and mature and have a new you in 2019. Am I willing to embrace the pains of changing? Am I willing to embrace the pains of changing? This, that was one of the most difficult ones for me. That was the big piece for me to take the church and to plant this church. It meant a change for me. It meant that, um, that I didn't get to be the superhero guest speaker who flew in, blew it up, flew out. It meant that I had to grind it out with people and, and suffer with them and be there when they were burying their child and, and cry with them in the hospital and hear their excuses why they keep doing what they're doing and hope that they try to teach them to get better. It, it, was, it was that change I just, I just I wasn't willing to embrace for the longest time. And when I finally said, okay, I know it's going to be painful, I'll embrace it. When that happened, the supernatural move of God in my life, it, it's unprecedented. I, I, it's hard for me to even describe. It was, it was a sacrifice. It was painful. But to be the new you, to be the person that, that you know that God wants you to be, that you're scared that you could ever be, you've got to embrace the pain of changing. You've got to let the Holy Spirit have access to your life. Do you, do you really want 2020 to look or 2019, excuse me, to look like 2018? Is that really the, do you really want to be intimidated? Do you want to keep living in fear and worry? Do you, do you really want to, do, are, are, we, are we not the solution for what's going on in, in this world? The Bible says that the earth groans for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. You know what it's saying? The earth is waiting for you and I to become the men and women of God we're supposed to be. The earth is groaning, like, when is she going to rise up? When is she going to become mature in her spirit? When is she going to be so strong that this entire neighborhood senses and feels and knows the presence of the living God? I'm waiting on her. I'm waiting on him. And friend, this is our hour. It's 2019. The man that you were in 2018, the woman you were in 2018, that day is over. And God needs you to become the man and woman of God he intended you to be. Strong in the spirit. Strong in the power of the living God. Not afraid of anything or anyone. Knowing who you are in Christ. Don't matter what storm comes my way. I told my wife on our wedding day, I said, I would rather be found dead than to love you more than the one who saved my soul. I love you. But if you leave me, run off and say Jesus isn't real, I'm going to keep serving Jesus. I'm telling you right now. 
And I tell the Lord, every time we had a kid, Lord, if this kid gets kidnapped, raped, and murdered, I'm still going to serve you because you are the living God. Nothing will separate me from my love that I have for you and your love you have for me. That's an internal strength that I myself never had before. But I've grown, and I've grown. The Spirit of God has had free access to mature my spirit, man. And there are times I've quenched him, times I've grieved him, times I've frustrated him, and times I've let him grow me. Today, today's a new journey point for you. It's time to let the Spirit of the living God grow your spirit, man. Would you stand with me all across the room? I want to pray over you. At the end of this service, some of our network pastors, small group leaders, and pastors will be available to pray for anyone who wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the fullness of the Holy Spirit as we presented it today. Small groups this weekend will be willing to pray with you, as well as our encounter retreat in just uh, a few weeks from now on March 22nd. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman in our church, everyone sitting under the sound of my voice, watching the live stream, those listening to this recording sometime later. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name they would sense and feel your Holy Spirit. Jesus. Entire generation is crumbling because they have no sustaining power on the inside. Christians are wavering because they've given up on being strong in the Spirit. They've held back the Holy Ghost from developing them. They've made excuses because of people's stupidity. God, but here and now in this church, in Adam McCain's life, the people connected to the community of believers called Church on the Hill. We give you free reign, Holy Spirit, to mature us, to grow us, to strengthen in us, to fill every chasm of our internal being. Holy Spirit, come. Come. Teach us to follow you. Teach us your leaning. Teach us your guiding. Teach us how you speak, how you nudge us, how you talk to us. Show us Show us how we've grieved you, what we consume that's not like you, that frustrates you. Jesus, Jesus, come. Father, I pray for every man and woman in our congregation. Lord God, that our people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They wouldn't have a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. That the people in church on the hill, Lord God, they would start this journey with you now. No matter what they experienced in the past, no matter what somebody else taught them, that they go study your word for themselves and realize, get a hold to that truth. You never intended us to be alone in this process. You sent the great Holy Spirit to empower us. There should be no reason for sin to have full reign in our life. We should not be cowering to the same temptation over and over again. We should look sin, death, destruction, pain, and suffering in the eye and say, you don't know my God. Jesus, we want to be like you who has such eternal, internal peace that in the midst of the storm, we're at rest. That Lord God, that we arise and say to that storm, you be at peace because I'm at peace. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for sending the precious Holy Spirit to live and abide in me. And I ask for a fresh baptism for myself, for the people of our church. I pray tonight, as some go to bed, Holy Spirit, that you'd come upon them. 
Some would receive a beautiful prayer language. Some would just sense that power that Jesus promised that we would receive. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be made manifest in every member of Church on the Hill, every young person. Thank you, Jesus, that we won't be intimidated suffering, pain, stress, worry, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've been away from God, I want to call you home today. If you've not been a Christian, I want to give you an opportunity to decide whether or not you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been in here today and you say, wow, you guys are a little different than the way I experienced church in the past. Maybe you're new to us. Maybe you've been coming for a couple weeks. Please don't misjudge our passion for hype. Just the opposite. The Bible says, he who's been forgiven much loveth much. I know how much he's forgiven, forgiven me. And so I'm very passionate. Today, if you feel that you're away from God, if you know that you have a broken relationship with the living God, I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about giving money. I'm not talking about lighting candles. I'm talking about you and God. Do you have a relationship with the living God? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about you in a relationship with the living God. The living God speaks to me. He guides me. He's my best friend. Jesus Christ today wants to become that in your life. Maybe you say, Pastor, I, you, you know, when I was a kid, I kind of knew God, but life happened. I feel divorced, separated. Friend, I got such good news for you. He's not mad at you. He's calling you home. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never been a Christian. But what I see and hear, what I'm sensing right now, I don't want to live my life void of God another moment. The Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In fact, I explain it like this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on a cross. Someone had to pay for our sin. Somebody had to. If your daughter was kidnapped and murdered, you won't pay back. You want somebody to pay for that. When you and I sin, somebody has to pay for that because God did not create us like that. Sin took over our life. Somebody has to pay. So Jesus stepped up and he said, I'll pay for it, Father. And in that moment, 2,000 years ago, every sin that you've ever committed and will ever commit was already prepaid for Jesus. I put it like this. Jesus created an account with your name on it. And all forgiveness for any sin you'll ever commit has already been prepaid for. He's, oh, how do I access that? Well, I just told you. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that he is the Christ. In that moment, you become a son, a daughter of the living God. And you have full access to forgiveness, power, baptism. All of it becomes yours. So, well, that seems too easy. I know all the hard work was done 2,000 years ago. Ours is just to receive. And then we give ourselves to the living God. And the process should look like this. You and I confess with our mouth, believe in our heart. His Holy Spirit comes and abides in us, and then we start being transformed. And every day we change a little bit more like Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. But you recognize it's time, time for a change. You want Jesus in your life. Would you let me pray for you? I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. But I need you to admit that to yourself, to me, and to heaven. So as I lead you in a prayer of repentance, I know exactly who's crying out to God. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, say, Pastor, it's me. It's time. I'm ready to change. I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, would you quickly just slip your hand up? No one's looking around. It's just me, you. Thank you, sweet love. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. 
Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being real. Thanks for being honest. I love authentic people. Thank you. No reason to pretend. Thank you. Thank you, sweet love. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your honesty. Amen. God's going to change your life right now. I'm telling you. It's all about to shift. Thank you. Anybody else? Two more seconds. Sweet, quickly lift it up. Make sure I see it. If you have to wave it at me, whatever. I saw you back there. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Amen. Now, I want to lead you in a prayer. Those of you that lifted your hand, I need you to mean this from, all of, from the depths of your heart. I lead you in a prayer. A prayer of repentance. A prayer of dedication. A prayer of commitment to the living God. And I promise you, in this moment, the Holy Spirit's going to come and abide in you. It's going to be amazing. It may not feel much different, but you'll sense something has shifted. In fact, I want everyone in the audience to pray out loud with those who lifted their hand. But those who lifted your hand, I want you to mean it with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today, I admit I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. And today I repent. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, I belong to you, and I will serve you forever. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer with all sincerity, with all purity of heart. Lord, I pray right now they would feel that peace. Lord, the elephant has been removed. They're not at at odds with you anymore, Jesus. You've forgiven them. And God, I thank you right now. They'll feel the joy, the joy of being right with you. Oh, they're not going to be perfect. Oh, they're going to sin. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But from this point forth, they are a son and daughter of the living. They have been marked. They have been welcomed into the family. They belong to you. Your spirit now lives inside of them. They'll feel the conviction. They'll feel the nudging. And God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that they would embrace the goodness that you have for them. And when the lies come, ah, you didn't mean it. Ah, look at you. You're not acting like a Christian. They'd be able to say, you know what? I may not have it all figured out yet but I'm forgiven and I'm in the family. I belong to him. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every man and woman in this congregation that the baptism of the Holy Spirit would become a revelatory experience for them. Not something that's off in the distance, not something that's mystic, not something that's confusing, but a genuine, power-packed experience that you planned that each Christian could have. And Lord, I ask it to happen this week and then the weeks to come. Thank you for this beautiful congregation. I bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen.